Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's another conversation with Agility by Nature and me, Ian Gill. I say the afternoon, but where you are, it could be the morning, it could be the evening, it could be everywhere. Today's guest, I'm very, very excited to have captured her today for a conversation, is based in America. So is probably dealing with morning coffee rather than afternoon tea. My guest today is Anu Kapoor. Hello, Anu. How are you? Hi, Ian. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually drinking morning tea. Morning tea? <laughs> oh. Decaffeinated or caffeinated? Uh, decaffeinated. Yeah. I'm not a fan of coffee. <laughs> oh, man. I, I used to be a huge fan. I used to drink a lot, but I have to be more careful. As I've got older, I'm trying to be more careful of myself. I'm getting there. <laughs> Who told you you're older? You look young. Yeah, well, I had a shave just for you. Today, I had a shave. <laughs> <laughs> you look 17. <laughs> this is why I love you. This is why you're my favorite guest today. <laughs> I love you too. I, Thanks I, for having me. I'm, I'm really, I'm, and do you know what? As you know, uh, in previous show, I, I do go snooping through the LinkedIn and what have you. Your digital footprint is enormous. And I'm trying to figure out how on earth can I condense all that you have had a very full life but let me have a go uh first of all um you've you've traveled a bit so started in nigeria you worked in the uk you're working in the us i think we're in texas or new york at the moment i'm not sure um texas. so you texas so you're a world traveler so that's good um you've looked after your education magnificently i mean you've got your bachelor of science you've got a master's in risk management but then let's look at the certifications. You've got Scrum certification. You're a certified enterprise coach. You're CTC team coach. You've got uh, CSM, CSPO, uh, Cisco networking, PMP, Prince2, DevOps, um, IC Agile, ProC project training and coach. You've got more letters after your name than an alphabet. <laughs> You're, you've also been working, uh, as you've been doing your travels, uh, started as a network engineer, then you were a project manager. My eye was caught. Cool. You've been in the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. How very posh. Uh, and then Crossrail Project, which was enormous, but not long there. Uh, you spent some time as Agile Coach at EDF Energy, TD Auto Finance, Agile Coach at Capital One. Um, you are also the exec coach at Toyota Texas. Um, in between that, you're the conference chair of the Regional Scrum Gathering for Nigeria. You founded the Africa Agility Foundation. You're host, founder, and facilitator of Agile Africa, um, and many other fabulous things. And in one of your uh, little profiles, you just added at the end, and I'm married with three kids. I don't know where you got <laughs> I'm married <laughs> with two kids. I don't know what that's like. Mine are a little bit older. I think yours are a bit younger. You've had a full life. Yes, Bless I you. have. Thank you. Let's start a little bit at the beginning. Network engineer. Well, how, how did you get into that? So actually, I wanted to study petroleum engineering. Really? Um, back in Nigeria. But my older sibling, my bigger brother, actually completed my... So in Nigeria, we do something that is called JAM. You need to do that before you can get into college. Uh -huh. And um, another um, education called WAEC. Yeah. So he completed my jam form and he chose computer science for me, despite <laughs> the fact that I wanted to become a petroleum engineer. 
So I studied computer science at the University of Ibadan in Nigeria. Um, it was actually a British college. Right. When we were colonized by the um, British, but yeah. um, you know, it's um, University of Ibadan is actually one of the oldest university in West Africa. Actually, if not the oldest university. So um, then I found myself studying computer science, but I hate coding. I'm sorry to all software engineers. I, I admire what you do, but I don't have the patience to ensure that the code works very well. That's the kind of person I am. So I fell in love with the hardware part. So I decided to go for network engineering and I did um, my CCNA so that I can get certified. I did my MCSA as well. And I did my CompTIA um, A+. And I find myself as a network engineer. Brilliant. Um, so how do you get from network engineer in Lagos to doing project management in the Royal Borough of <laughs> Chelsea? <laughs> I'm curious how that happened. <laughs> so actually, while I was in Nigeria as well, I championed so many projects. And those projects were actually delivered using the waterfall model. Yeah. So when I went to UK, I went to study executive master in project management. Right. Okay. Yeah. So before I did my master's in risk management. So that is how I found myself in core project management and I became a project manager. Yeah. And, and, and the journey of project management started from there. Absolutely. And was that, so the early days sounds like waterfall and it probably a bit more infrastructure. Um, how did your, how did you step into agile? How did it come upon you or did you find it and you think, well, oh, this is for me. Actually, we found each other and we fell in love with each other yeah. the first time we met. <laughs> so my first exposure to Agile actually started in 20, 2007 when I went for the QCon conference in London. Right. Yeah, a friend of mine actually invited me. I've never heard anything about Agile. I know nothing about it. So I was fascinated by the Agile Foundation track as the industry expert, especially um, Jeff Sunderland was talking about the fundamental factors and practices of Agile, the benefits and all the nuances, um, how you can deliver more for less. And it sounded so unbelievable, really. Is there yeah. something else better than Prince 2 yeah. or PMP, right? So it actually got me fascinated and um, interesting. Then I did, I decided to dig deep into what this Agile thing is all about. And the best place for me to dig deep is actually watching a few YouTube videos, um, reading some books, reading some articles. And at that time, I was actually working for a government organization. And, you know, Agile, those days in 2007, no, no way. So when I joined EDF Energy, I was a program manager. And um, I spoke to my manager and I said, have you heard about Agile Scrum? He said, no. I've read about it. I've read books about it. I don't have any experience about it, but I think, so I did a little bit of education and we both agreed, let's give this agile thing, you know, um, let's experiment with it. Yeah. And that was in 2018, around April or May. I can't even remember. Yeah. No, 2008, around April or May. And he became the product owner. I became the scrum master and my two teams actually became the scrum team. Um, and that is how this journey began. So you literally just did it. 
I just did it with no experience, with a lot of failures and some good stories to tell. <laughs> Do you think that sort of, le- I mean, you know, you've got a lot of certification. I know as well, you know, you've been nominated, one of the finest in nomination for this, the, the Scrum Alliance against some two really good candidates. And, you know, you've, you've obviously vested a lot in the Scrum. And, 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 but, but did you find that that just, rather raw, just do it? was a great foundation in, in you becoming well, the practitioner you are now. So when I learned about Agile, the human parts of it, the people development um, actually intrigued me. And I'm somebody that loves developing people. I'm a church girl, yeah. right? So I'm always in the youth church, you know, uh, motivating, inspiring and also helping them to discover themselves and discover who they want to become in life. So that's something that I'm so passionate about, something that I love doing. I love developing and growing others. So when I found Agile, and Agile is all about servant leadership. It's all about collaboration. It's all about empowering team to do what they know how to do best. That actually connected with my value. Yeah, yeah compared to when I was a program project manager and I have to tell people what to do and how they have to get their work done. And we have to do, you know, all those big documentations and big reports, even when the project is in red, we have to tell stakeholders, oh, everything is fine. But when we know that everything is not fine. So that transparency and the visibility element of Agile and, you know, the short feedback, the short and early feedback loop. You know, I've worked on so many failed projects and I've worked on some successful projects as well. Many projects were not completed within time. It's out of scope. You know, I've worked on a project that at the end of it, when we went live, the management of the organization has changed. Yeah. And they're like, what is this? Who asked for this? This is not our vision. This is not our direction. And millions of pounds as, you know, dollars yeah. is already gone. Yeah. So they, they fail fast, um, learn early, yeah. inspect and adapt elements of agile. It's so powerful. Yeah. And that actually got me connected. And I said, you know what? this is the boyfriend I've been looking for. And I'm so glad that I found you. <laughs> and Agile is still my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, they, they say it's very hard to learn. It's easy to do, but hard to learn. It's very, very, very hard to learn. I won't, I won't lie to you because the biggest challenge for me was my, although I had a growth mindset, but the only source of truth and confidence available for me that time were books, few blogs, YouTube and stuff like that. I had no mentor, I had no coach, I had no one to guide me on my journey. Mm. And also when the organization, especially the team and your manager is looking up to you, you know, all eyes are on you that, yes, we know that you will help us to be successful. So the courage to be, to open up, to say, actually, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. We are all going to experiment together. It was so difficult for me to show that courage at the beginning. It took me like two months before I opened up to say, you know, I don't know anything. We are all going to learn together and we're all going to fail together and we are all going to be successful together. 
and also the fear of I don't want to let him down. I don't want to let my manager, my team down. The fear was also there. I was clueless about what doing agile and being agile is all about. There was so much of frustration, you know, especially when you're just following the scrum guide, you are following, you know, the rituals, you know, all those scrum events, or we call them scrum ceremonies in those yeah. days. You are just following the ritual, but the mindset, you know, embracing the mindset and helping your team to understand and embrace that mindset is not there. So that was really, really challenging. And that is one of the reasons why it's so hard. Yeah. And again, when you are coming from that project manager's um, um, role, you know, the old habit, it actually takes a long time for, that, yeah. for those old habits to, yeah. you know, to disappear. So allowing myself to embrace the agile mindset and the potential of servant leadership was, was also missing for me. So those were my personal challenge. And especially when you're also working with teams that like to work in silo, I just want to code, I don't want to collaborate, I don't want to have any conversation with, with the team and, you know, creating a cross-functional team like, oh, I'm in the testing team. Yeah. Oh, we are the developers. We yeah. are more superior than the testers. Oh, we are the senior architects. You know, we are the most experienced, you know, all those kind of things going on. That was really challenging to help the team to to become cross-functional, to become, to be, to being agile and to collaborate well together yeah. as a team. Yeah. I, I mean, we often talk about, you know, when we talk about transformations, let's say that word, is the unlearning, <laughs> the unlearning yeah. and going forward. You've obviously invested a lot of time and effort to get greater certification, greater expertise, greater range. What do you think you've really, with those more sophisticated learning, what do you think really struck you that you wish you were new? Could you, if you could have coached yourself like a few years back, what would you have liked to say? Yeah, I knew. What I'd like to tell you is this. So, despite the fact that on my journey I've had good success stories to tell, and um, yeah, and some failure stories to tell as well. I wish at the beginning of my journey or hell in my journey, I know about coaching mindset from uh -huh. the professional stance. Uh -huh. You know, um, in my prior engagement before I learned about professional coaching, I was just consulting, yeah. right? You go into an organization, you diagnose their current state and you come up with list of recommendations. So this is what is bad about you. This is what is good about you. This is what you need to do. Take so you guys can do Kanban, you guys can do Scrum, then plaster them with a scaling framework, right? And you teach them Agile 101 or two days Agile training. Then they go into Sprint 1, Sprint 2, or iteration, whichever model that they are using or frameworks that they are using. I wish at that point that instead of going there as a medical doctor or as a therapist, I go in there, or I went in there as a coach, yeah. partnering with the system, with the organizations, with the team, right? Allowing them to, holding up the mirror to them, right? Using different tools and techniques, coaching tools and facilitation tools and techniques that are out there to say, to help them to diagnose their current state without telling them how they suck and what is wrong with them yeah. and what is broken that needed to be fixed. Yeah. So, 
I did not know anything about professional coaching until 2016 or 2017 or early 2017, you know, and I think that is what has made a difference in my experience since I discovered the professional coaching part and the systemic coaching where I can walk into an organization and I partner with them instead of consulting for them, you know, going there to honor what is working for them and celebrating their successes and, you know, acknowledging it and helping them to discover where do they need to go? Where are the key pain points? You know, helping them to, you know, to discover what is needed rather than, oh, we have all these issues. Yeah. So what's the most important for you? You know, what would you like to see in the next three months that does not exist right now? Let them talk about their problems and let them talk about their solution instead of me giving them solution. And also leveraging their business expertise and technical expertise with my own agile expertise you know, standing back side by side with them instead of standing in front of them or standing behind them and working on that journey together. Yeah, yeah. So I wish I knew that. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting. I do keep an eye on the agile coaching world and occasionally I do think how many of them are coaches as opposed to deeply expert in agile. That's not a criticism, by the way, of the whole bunch of people, but you do think... If you can say coach, where's the coaching? So I don't tend to sell myself as a coach. I don't do that much practitioner nowadays. Um, the, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, actually, is you know, you, 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 the range of work is going interesting, but is the dreaded scale question. But I, I wanted that that a little bit is how to deal with the scale question. But also, I kind of like the, 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 we were in a recent, uh, one of your hosted events where angels said, don't let their problems become your problems. Make sure they're, mm. they're which I thought, well, I mean, you know, I've always known it subconsciously, but it was really nice the way he brought it out. How do you do with that sort of like the scale issue? You've got these execs, they really want to palm it off, don't they? And, and how do you stop it becoming your problem? So, um, it was usually my problem before I learned about professional coaching and Angel, I think Angel is also ICFPCC, is a professional coach and I think it did OSC certification as well. Yeah. So usually as coaches, when we go into organization, we make their problem to become our problem. We take responsibility for the actions and accountability. And when we do that, we are not creating a sustainable change for them. So as coaches, it is their agenda. We are holding on up their agenda. It is their problem. It is their solution. We can guide them. We can give them advice. And I always like to use the power of three, especially when you walk into an organization and they are not sure, okay, should we do Scrum or Kanban or which scaling framework is the best scaling framework that we should adopt, right? And I love using the power of three give them three, just give them three suggestions. So when I was in XY organization, they had similar challenges like yours, and this is what they did. And this XYZ organization as well, they had almost similar challenges, and this is what they did, and also come up with the third advice. So, and it is their choice to decide if they are going to go with your advice, or they will create their own 
or they will create their own solution. So by the time I use the power of three, I'm asking them what resonates with you? Yeah. What can you import from these three advices and come up and create your own solution? And again, I always tell coaches as well, always hold up the mirror to them. Always see your clients or your teams or your leaders as naturally creative, resourceful, and all, and they can solve their own problem. Yeah. Why? If they are not intelligent and creative, they won't be in that position. Okay. Yeah. Millions or thousands or hundreds of people would have applied for that salute, for, for that position. But that individual or those members of the teams were chosen because they were the best. Yeah. Right? They were the best talent and the best fit for the job. So they are not stupid. They are not broken. They don't need to be fixed. Yeah. Right. So when you see them as naturally creative and intelligent and all, you will, you will, you will inspire them to come up with their own solution. They are not stupid. They have the solution. Then I also tell coaches this as well. I have high attachment on the people, but low attachment at the outcome. You go into an organization and you tell them, oh, they should be agile. This is what agile can give to you. And they are not doing it exactly the way it's being done or the way you want them to do it. And you get frustrated and mad. Oh, this organization, they are going to fail. They are not agile. You know, they are going to extinct like dinosaur in the next few years. Why are you to judge them? It is because you have high attachment on the outcome. You are being paid for a job. Show them what good Agile is. It is their choice to do it or not to do it. And also, they know what Agile means for them. It's not your definition of Agile. It is their own definition of Agile. And Agile is not even the solution. It's a vehicle, that one of those vehicles that will help them to achieve their goal, their vision. Yeah. So don't make it agile. I don't even talk about agile. I'm not an agile evangelist <laughs> at all. Yeah. It's all about what problems are you trying to solve? Yeah. And why do you think agile could help you to solve the problem or to achieve the goal? And there are so many other things that you can do. For an example, agile will give you the tools and everything, but what about the mindset part of it, right? If organization is not ready to we, you know, we design their organization structure. They are not willing to embrace the agile culture or the culture that comes with agility. Their processes does not change. There's no way they are going to be, be agile. So if the people are not ready to change, if the leaders are not ready to change, then you become frustrated because you have made the problem yours and you have made the solution to be yours. Yeah. And if they are not dancing to your music, you are frustrated. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's interesting as well that how very powerful you make the case of you know, respecting the management. Agile practitioners, certainly in the good old days, I don't know, maybe so much now, weren't always so respectful of management. It was team and then them. So I think that's yeah. important. You know, managers, managers, directors, they're people too. Yeah. And do you know what I tell coaches? Except you have work in their work. You don't know what is happening in their world. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even talking about things that are happening outside work. 
if you have never been in a VP position or CIO position, yeah. what right do you have to tell a CIO or a VP that you are not agile, you suck, you are not a good CIO? You don't know the pressure that is on that CIO. You don't know what the board of directors and the leadership, you don't know what they are going through. Yeah. So one of my mentor, Bob Galen, when I did his car one class, I think maybe 2017, he was a senior VP of engineering before he became an agile coach. And this is one thing he advised me. He said, if you want to coach a VP, go and have an a conversation with another VP that you have relationship with and ask, tell me about your role, what you do, your pain. You know, imagine I'm sitting on your chair right now and I'm carrying your responsibility. Tell me how it feels. Yeah. I want to feel it. So you need to understand what it takes to sit on that chair and to wear, to be in their shoes before you can go and talk to um, a VP or a leader or a manager. Yeah. Because you need to be able to empathize with them. It's not easy. It's not even easy to be an agile coach, not to talk of a senior leader. A really powerful argument you made there, and I love the fact that you do that sort of research. I think people can be very glib about other people's lives, and something uh, my business colleagues and I talk about a lot. Is that first thing we say, well, remember what's what's in what it's like being in their shoes. What is the problem they're solving? And, and think about you know you. One of the things you put in your LinkedIn profile, you're a philanthropist, and um, <laughs> you're obviously a human very human-centered person and actually put a lot of effort into two things you know africa and we met first in agile africa which which you found um and it's a beautiful group i love it it's one of my favorite groups sometimes i go to some of the agile meetups and it can get a bit intense you know if you're not absolutely precise with exactly things you say whereas i think agile uh, i'm not saying by the way that it's bad agile it's more accepting of tolerance <laughs> of saying things is that because that's what africans are like or is it because of you Oh, sorry, I didn't get a question. Is that because Africans are very accepting or is it because of your stewardship? Because you're obviously a very decent person. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so there are so many things that people doesn't know about African. Yeah. This is what we have. We are very, very cheerful and very... Hospitality is actually one of our core values. You know, when you come to our country, right... We are so excited that somebody that is not like us is engaging with us, is building relationship with us, is visiting us. But we want to show you the best of our hospitality. Family, we are also family oriented, right? It's all about family. Yeah. In Africa, children don't have college loans. Parents, we do, they could sell everything they have in life to send their children to the best school, to have the best education. Where I came from, first degree is not even enough. Yeah. Despite the fact that I'm not an academician, I have to go for masters, right? Um, it's not enough. So we value family, we value, we love people. 
And when you come into any of our gatherings, have you ever been to a Nigerian wedding? Oh my gosh, you need to visit a Nigerian wedding. You will laugh, you will dance, you will have fun. You will laugh. <laughs> you I'm will have sure the my best dad dance, you. He's going to cut it there. <laughs> oh, we show you how to dance. All oh, right, you know what I mean? And we love food. We love food. We love nature. We love people. We are jovial. We are friendly. So it's not just because of me. That is who we are in Africa. Well, I, I can recommend uh, Agile Africa as a group to go to. It's a, it's a, you've got some fantastic speakers going there as well. And Africa has been picking up on my radar, you know, my Agile radar. I, I scan the world and I look what's going on. And Africa's kind of like ping, ping. And I was talking to Abhijit Dasgupta, so passionate about what's happening in Africa. Um, digital change, agility change, you know, young people are really getting hold of technology, overcoming. Mm. You know, it, it's, and he said, it's the place to watch for, for technology, for digital now. Is that what you're seeing? Yes, you're absolutely right. You know, um, Africa, Africans, right? We Africans, we are actually one of the most talented people in the world. And um, like I said, we value education, we value knowledge, yes. we will pay anything for knowledge. So I don't know how many Africans that you have that are agilists. You will see a lot of us having a lot of certification because it's just part of our DNA. Right. And it's not because of the certification, it's the knowledge. Even if it's only 2% of the two days class or the five days class, is that knowledge, is that personal development and growth that matters to us. So even people that are poor in Africa, they still value knowledge and education. Like parents who sell land, they will mortgage their homes to send their children to the best schools, to have the best, um, to, 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 to the best schools and to have the best um, academic knowledge. Yeah. So but this is what is missing. What we need actually in Africa are the resources, the visibility, the exposure, and that is actually our ticket to the world stage. If you notice, Google is in Africa, Facebook is in Africa, almost all those Silicon Valley um, companies are going to Africa because they've seen the potential yeah. in Africa. They've seen the talent, they've seen the vast of resources that we have. And that has become their next big destination. Yeah. You know, maybe to make profits. Yeah, of course, every organization wants to make profits and also to help develop the digital economy of Africa. Yeah. So Africa is the next big thing. I was talking to Dean and I said, I'm going to be speaking to Anu. And he goes, oh. I've got a question for her, he said. So Dean Bryan, uh, I did a podcast with him recently. He does a lot of transformation work, work, I should say. Uh, and he's very interested in the finance side. And he said, you know, um, I think there's going to be more investment needed in Africa. And I think that's going to be good to mobilize the growth, not just having uh, American and, uh, and other companies, but actually native uh, growth in there. And he said, but problem is institutional investors and fund managers, and so on, they always look for risk mitigation. And I was wondering, you know, if you get more agile, can you actually help the risk mitigation that people are actually happier to invest real money and, and really get that economy cracking along the digital lines? Yeah. So Africans, um, Africa is becoming a way of agile. 
yeah. and um, it's not as much, the awareness is not as strong as it is in the Western world. Well, we have people like us that we are here and some people already in Africa as well that we've started, you know, creating the awareness, you know, to companies in Africa. You know, there's a better way of, of doing things. You know, uh, the Agile is, you know, is the most popular innovation method in Silicon Valley, right? It's a modern way of working with a new business model. The traditional business model, they are still, technology has changed. And we have to adapt, we have to evolve as a, as a continent. And some of those organizations are embracing it. We are doing Agile in Africa. You know, South Africa is more exposed to, you know, to the world of agility compared to the other parts of Africa. <laughs> so to the other parts of Africa, but when you go to Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, Egypt, you know, Zimbabwe, um, um, Sudan, right? Sally Alata is from Sudan. She's doing a lot of work in Sudan, you know, for, for companies, both governments and corporate organizations to start embracing Aja. So just to answer your question, there are so many things Aja will do for Africa. Number one, it will help reduce corruption. Yeah. Number two, it will help reduce risk. Yeah. And also, most importantly, it will help improve the digital economy, our mm. GDP. Mm. And that's one of my dreams, you know, is to see Africa as a continent that can innovate faster than any other continent in the world. You know what? Because we have everything. We have gold. We have petroleum. We have diamond. We, are, we have all the natural resources. Yeah. We have agriculture. Honestly, we shouldn't be depending on the Western world for anything because we have everything. We have the people that are passionate about change, about innovation. Yeah, yeah. And is that what the, the Africa Agility Foundation focuses on as well, the people? And, and is that, so what is the mission of the foundation? Actually, I should ask you, what is the mission of the foundation? So the mission of the foundation is actually to touch life um, um, to touch life one at a time. Yeah. That's our big mission. So our programs is centered around STEM education and STEM program for kids in rural areas. Yeah. And we've done some tremendous work in that area as well. Yeah. You know, there are some rural areas in Africa that, you know, maybe government is not providing much support to because it's rural area right there's lack of education um the teachers are not well equipped you know um lack of infrastructure so that is one of the dream one of the mission of african agility to ensure that the underserved areas in africa starting from nigeria they are getting access to the right resources to the skills to what is needed for them to be able to compete with those that are living in the city. Then um, Agile in higher education is very big for me. Really? So imagine if the educational system in Africa, right, embrace the Agile mindset, yeah. right? 
if students are failing, they should know that they are not doing well, maybe through early feedback loop from the teacher, not waiting until the end of the time when they've done their exam and they didn't do well before yeah. they know that they have failed. If the administration of higher education in Nigeria start changing and start embracing the agile mindset, changing the way lecturers changing the way they teach or teachers changing the way they teach and also co-designing the learning materials with the students that will be so powerful yeah and especially those that are in university we call we call it university in Nigeria and I think here we call it college by the time they are getting out of college they have the agile mindset and they have the certification they have the training and they are ready to launch into the market yeah. right with the same mindset and they are delivering value to the organization embracing the agile mindset that is so powerful so we've been talking to a couple of universities uh covid 19 is actually the the bottleneck that we have right now yeah. um if not a lot of things would have been happening in higher education in nigeria then the girls in tech that is the biggest dream of mine I'm and, and, um, and, and yeah. that is something I saw, you know, a lot of work, women in agile, in agile, agile Nigeria. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So when I was actually in college, so here is my challenge. I studied computer science, like I said. Um, we did not have the opportunity or experience to the practical aspects of the course, not at all. It was much more of theoretical approaches. And at the same time, I remember we're learning Fortran, COBOL, Pascal, those 19, early 19s programming language. When I was at college, I had no computer. Yeah. There's no mobile technology or laptop to work with. We're just taking notes. Maybe about 100 of us in a class with one teacher just telling us what to do. Yeah. And that was a tipping point for me. And I decided that I'm not going to allow the younger generation to walk my path. And another reason is this, that I made this a big goal for me. I actually want to, we all know that there's a gender gap between men and women in technology. And parts of the mission for girls in Africa is to close that gender gap. Yeah. You know, we have 12% women in technology and about 80 something percent of men in technology. So can you imagine the percentage of that 12% that are Africans very, 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 very low. Yeah. So the goal of girls in Africa is actually to equip unemployed female graduates and also um, the final year um, graduates. You don't need to study technology while you're in college, but if you are passionate about technology, to equip them with the skills that is needed for them to thrive in this due to age. So we have a program coming up in October, the first edition, we are training 100 unemployed young female graduates on robotic engineering, web development, artificial intelligence, data science, um, um, machine learning. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's a three weeks boot camp, and there will also be two days CSM class. So Scrum Alliance has actually given free certifications to those 100 girls. And I have CSTs that are so passionate about developing women, and they are interested in participating in the training program as well for them. 
So big thanks to Scrum Alliance and Agile Alliance is fully supporting as well by sponsoring. You know, I love when we have Agile organizations that are so passionate about supporting the women movement and the mission to equip the women. There's a saying in Africa, you train a boy child, you train a family. If you train a female child, you've actually trained a whole city or a whole country. You know, the way we women, we are so passionate. We, you know, there are so many gifts that, you know, has been given to us. Then the last two days will be Akaton Challenge. So the Akaton Challenge is actually for them to use everything they've learned in the last two and a half weeks to solve the three most complex, wicked problems that we have in Nigeria. Right. Yeah, and we have judges like Steve Denny, who is going to be one of our international judges. I'm trying to get my CEO of Toyota connected, Zach X, and also get some female um, CEOs and CIOs from Nigeria as well to be part of the judges. We are going to give our award to those girls. And also, we are also going to be looking for internship and placement for them because doing the training is not enough, but applying it in a in a real world is more yeah. important for them as well. So this is the first edition. Then we'll go to another state. We want to do this in all the states we have in Nigeria. Then we'll go to Ghana and Kenya and yeah. other parts of Africa. Yeah. That's a big mission, but a great mission. It's a big one. You talked about the Agile community. It can be very difficult, but it can also be incredibly generous. What more do you think agile practitioners or anybody actually could do to help you and your mission <sighs> and that's an opening so, moment, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so sponsorship is a big thing you you mentioned something at the beginning that i'm a philanthropist yeah um i don't really tell people so much about what i do but my husband and myself we've invested over many years thousands of our hard-earned money yeah. to support orphanage homes, um, to support schools, yeah. to support so many great courses, especially in rural areas. COVID-19 has affected the lives of so many people that we know and we don't know. We spend a lot of money every month. Imagine people calling you or texting you or reaching out to you to say that um, we've not eaten in the last three days. It breaks my heart. Yeah. So giving is, is a value for us, yeah. a value that we hold strongly to. And even with these girls in tech, you know, my husband and I, we've invested a lot of money. So back to your question, we need laptops. We all have old laptops. Yeah. Our companies have laptops that they want to dispose of. You know, we are taking this to all the states. Our goal is actually to train every year at least 1,000 female graduates. And again, we want to ensure that at least 10 of them are tech premium. They are doing D2 innovation, something that never exists in the world. Because it's not all about going to look for job. Yeah. It's all about becoming an entrepreneur yourself. You know, finding what is missing out there in the world and creating value that will impact lives. So that's part of what we want to do. So we need laptops. We need 
you know, desktops, whatever you have, people have that they can donate. And also $20, $50, $100 out there to support this mission is, is big for us. $100 in my country is 47,000 naira. Yeah. It puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. And every time we do this program, we need to buy data, we need to rent laptops, we need to provide food, we need to do advertisement that is not free. We need to, there's so many things that we need to do. Um, and when you look at the cost in African money, it's going to about 100 and something thousand, right? Um, actually, did I say thousands? Millions. Yeah. It's running into millions. Yeah, yeah. That sounds more like it. Yeah. Well, I know we're, we're running out of time, and I'm, and I'm, I'm glad we, we've ended on that point. I mean, obviously, you are a great role model as well for all the Africans, but also those African women. So, you know, I hope people get behind the mission. If people want to get hold of you to talk about some of the things, whether it be the coaching side, but also, you know, some of those issues that you've raised, or even to, even to help um, in a tangible way or whatever it is they can give, how can they get hold of you? So people can get hold of me of me on LinkedIn. Um, Anu Gopal, double A N U G O P A L D, and also they can go on my website anugopal.com, yep. and also africaagility.org. So and by email anu at anugopal.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Look, um, I'm a big fan. I hope you go. Thank you. Strength. I know. <laughs> um, um, thank you so much for spending the time. I know you're a very busy person. Um, thank you everybody for listening today. I hope uh, Anu has given you some inspiration of what you can achieve. Um, if you'd like to talk to me about some of the issues you've raised or you'd like to talk to me about some of our practitioners, you can contact me at ian.gill at Agility by Nature. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Message me. I talk to anybody, pretty much anybody. Um, yes, you know, Anu are probably <laughs> going to refresh our. I think we're going to another event, aren't we? We're going to listen to Miles speak soon. Yes, today. today. <laughs> Goodness gracious, people will start talking about us, you know. On that happy note, thank you so much, and uh, I'll see you later. Bye for now. Thank you so much, Ian. <laughs>